Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Good morning. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jake Clark. I'm the teaching pastor at the the Beloit campus, and I'm, I'm excited to get to be here with you guys today. Have you ever seen the movie Homeward Bound? It's a movie I watched when I was a kid. Uh, there's the, the picture of it if, to refresh your memory if you have seen it, but if you haven't seen it, it's based upon a, the novel called The Incredible Journey, and it involves three pets, two dogs and a cat. Now these pets, they, they've been dropped off at uh, their owner's friend's house so the, the friends can watch these pets as the owners go on vacation. Um, it's important to mention that these pets, they have, uh, they have voices in the movie so they converse with one another throughout the movie. And eventually the, the pets are at the friend's house for so long and, and they start to get worried. They, they start to believe that something bad has happened to their owner's. Uh, so they decide that they're going to make the journey home. They're going to they're gonna go from the friend's house all the way to their home to make sure that their owners are safe. But the problem is that they're hundreds of miles from their home. Uh, there's a mountain between them and their home. But that doesn't stop them. They, they head off on the journey um, in hopes to make it back to their beloved owners. And, and uh, they journey through the wilderness wilderness of the Sierra Nevada mountains. <laughs> As they're in the wilderness, they encounter um, countless obstacles, uh, bears, cougars, porcupines. Uh, eventually, they come to a river. And at the river, um, they have to cross it. So the two dogs, Chance and Shadow, they, they cross that river at a very gentle and shallow part. Uh, but the, the cat, Sassy, she refuses to get wet. So she starts heading down the shore, trying to find a, a different way to get across to the other side. And eventually she finds a bunch of rocks and logs, and, and she starts to happily make her way across to the other side. But she slips and she falls into the river. And at that point, the, the river is now raging. The, the current just sweeps her away, carrying her farther and farther away from where she wants to go. And the dogs, they see her being carried away, and they just start running along the shore, chasing after her, yelling for her to hang on. Shadow, the golden retriever, he keeps yelling for her to keep her head above the water. The current of the river, it's just too strong, though, and it, it leads Sassy to the edge of a waterfall, and, and Sassy ends up going over the waterfall. The dogs, they get to the edge of the waterfall. They, they look down in hopes to see Sassy, and they're scouring the, the scene. Uh, Chance, one of the dogs, he says, I don't see her, Shadow, do you? Shadow responds, no, it swallowed her up. Quite the traumatic scene uh, to watch as a kid. But spoiler alert, uh, Sassy ends up being fine. But I randomly thought of this, this scene from this movie when I was preparing this sermon. Uh, it made me think about how life can sometimes feel like a raging river. Sometimes we may feel like we're caught up in a current that's carrying us where we don't want to go. And this current is moving swiftly against us. We try our best to fight against it, but it's just too strong. And, and these problems are arising up out of the water, grabbing us by the ankles, attempting to pull us under. 
We try our best to keep our head above the water as we listen to a voice of a loved one calling our name and telling us to hang on as they run alongside the shore. But the current's relentless. The, the problems seem too big and, and we feel too limited in what we can actually do in the face of those problems. Have you been there? Maybe feeling like sassy, maybe feeling like you're caught in this raging river, this current just pushing against you, fighting against the current, fighting against problem after problem after problem, or, or maybe you've played the role of shadow, right? Running alongside the river as you watch a loved one struggle, yelling at them to hang on, keep your head above the water, you shout to them, wishing so badly that you could do something more for them as they, as they fight against that current. But, but you feel so limited to what you can do in the midst of such a giant problem. Whether we're caught in the current or running alongside the shore, watching a loved one struggle, well, what can help us in the fight? What, what can aid us in keeping our head above the water? What can we do when we feel like we have so many limitations placed upon us? How, how can we ensure that that raging river does not swallow us up or swallow up our loved ones? The past two weeks, we've been studying the book of Colossians in the Bible. If you've missed those weeks, uh, the church in the city of Colossae, it's struggling. The people there, they're caught in a raging river of lies. There were, were people infiltrating the church, spreading lies that Jesus was not truly God. And the people in the church, they had no idea how to fight against that problem. And it was causing them to even question what exactly they believed. The apostle Paul, though, he learns about the struggles The Colossians are facing, and it broke his heart. He wanted to help. I'm sure he wanted to tell them to keep their head above the water, just hang on. I'm sure he wanted to be with them. That's usually what Paul did. He would go around to these churches. He would travel from church to church, teaching, encouraging them, training them. But as Paul learned about the struggles the Colossians were facing, He himself was facing struggles of his own. You see, Paul, he was in Rome, 1,300 miles away from Colossae. And Paul, he was incarcerated. He's not actually in prison, but he's under house arrest, under constant guard, not able to leave. So you can imagine at that point when Paul learns about the struggles the Colossians were facing, he probably felt very limited to what he could do to help. So he writes this letter to the Colossians, the the book of Colossians that we find in the Bible. He writes this letter to encourage the people of the church. And though he could not meet with them face to face, he wanted to do something. He wanted to encourage them to keep growing in Jesus. He, he He wanted them to understand exactly who Jesus is, that he is God and he has an active role in their church and in their lives. In this letter, Paul is running along the shore encouraging the people to to keep their head above the water, doing his best to explain the supremacy of Jesus and for them not to lose faith. But I'm sure as he writes this letter, I'm sure he's faced with this overwhelming feeling of, of wanting to do more. But being in the situation that he's in under house arrest, what else could he do? Uh, the year 2020 <laughs> completely flipped the world upside down, didn't it? With the rise of the coronavirus, I'm sure a lot of people felt like they were caught in this raging river, fighting against the current of fear, fighting against the currents of isolation and and uncertainty and, and frustration. During that time, we as a church, we could not have 
in-person services. Uh, but we had the means to do online services, and so we ran with that. And we tried to make church online a, a great experience for everyone who watched it. Uh, at that time, I was the elementary director of KidsWorks in Beloit. Um, and, and so I would post things online for the parents and for the kids, resources for them, lessons, uh, activities. I, I tried to make sure all the activities I posted, the supplies that the kids would need, I, I tried to make sure it would be things that they could find around the house um, it was a very different experience, a little exciting at first, but if I'm being honest, it, it began to wear me down. One weekend, I remember, uh, it had been months since we um, were no longer having in-person services. We'd been having online services, and I just wanted to feel some form of normalcy. And so I decided I was going to attend church online from my office at church that Sunday. At least then I would be at church on Sunday and maybe it would feel a little normal. And so I remember heading to the, the Beloit campus. Um, I parked at the Kids Works parking lot. I remember sitting in my car for a moment and just kind of staring around at the empty parking lot. I thought about how this parking lot would have usually been full of cars. How people would have been walking to the Entrances of the, of the church, excited to experience God, excited to experience church. Uh, eventually, I got out of the car and headed towards the, the darkened entrance of, of Kids Works. It looked more like a post-apocalyptic movie as I walked in. Things hung on the walls from months prior. Remnants left proclaiming that life had once occurred there in that building. And the hallways that used to be filled with parents and their kids uh, now quiet and desolate. Uh, I made my way to the light factory, which was the, the room the elementary kids would meet in every week. I turned on the lights and I just stared around the room. Uh, the faint echoes of kids laughing while playing with games before the service started it danced in my ears. The distorted shadows of the kids' works leaders talking with one another sitting on the floor haunted the room. I yearned to have it all back, to see the kids, to see the leaders, for us all to be together again. I went and I sat on the stage. I remember sitting on the stage and just kind of zoning out and looking across the room. And I looked at the floor in, uh, in front of me. I remember thinking the kids would usually be sitting right there in front of me. I could imagine their faces smiling back at me, raising their hands in anticipation to, uh, to let me know about things that they uh, did that week that they were excited to share about. I could remember them laughing at my jokes. I could remember them not laughing at my jokes sometimes. Um, I remember them singing and dancing during worship. I, I remember the look they would get in their eyes when they would learn something about the Bible or about Jesus. I sat on that stage wishing everything could just go back to normal. I sat and tears began to fill my eyes, I, missing the kids, missing the leaders. I, I sat and I, I hoped that wherever the kids were, I, I hoped that they were safe. I, I hoped that they were smiling. I, I hoped that they were happy. I felt like there was a mountain between us. I, I felt like I was 1,300 miles away from them. There on the stage, tears in my eyes, I, I began to feel the water rise. I began to feel the current begin to push, in, push against me, slamming me up against the rocks. 
As my head began to bob up and down out of the water, as I gasped for air, I I began to ask God, where exactly are you? What exactly are you doing right now? Are, Are you moving? Are you working? Can you throw me a life preserver? I sat on that stage and I began to pray. I prayed for the kids. I prayed for the leaders. I prayed that I would hear God's voice in the chaos. I I, I prayed that I would hear his voice in the midst of that raging current that I felt like was carrying me away. I, I prayed that I would not be swallowed up. As Paul poured his heart out to the Colossians and in writing that letter, he also poured his heart out to God in prayer. Uh, Though Paul was limited to what he could do physically, because he was incarcerated, he turns to something that not even the strongest prison could stop, the power of prayer. Here's what the Bible says. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Though Paul certainly had his own problems, right? He turns to God and prays for him to aid the Colossians as they fight against this raging current. Praying that God would intercede, that he would keep the Colossians from being swallowed up by the lies that were rising up out of the water. Here's what Paul's prayer for the Colossians was. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Now, now why does Paul pray for that? Wisdom and understanding from the Holy Spirit that leads to this knowledge of of knowing exactly what God wants. Here's what's interesting. The, The word, the Greek word that Paul used for understanding in that text, that Greek word is synesis. That word means a running together, flowing together. Paul's prayer for the Colossians is that they would not continue to fight against that raging current, but instead they would flow with the current of God. Paul prays that because he knows that the Colossians, if they receive that wisdom, if they receive that understanding, then no matter what lies they are told, they will be steadfast in their belief in Jesus. And Paul knows that the current of God is far stronger than the raging river they're fighting against. And can you see Paul running alongside the shore, yelling, keep your head above the water, fix your eyes on Jesus, he has what you need. And Paul knows if the Colossians turn their eyes away from the lies and fix them on Jesus, it will change absolutely everything for them. Here in this letter, Paul, he lays out this flow uh, that can lead into the current of God, this flow for the Colossians that, that will lead them into flowing with God. And that flow that he lays out is something that we can utilize in our lives today, but, but what does that flow look like? I know Paul, he wrote words like wisdom and understanding and, and knowledge, but what are the steps that we can take to get into understanding Jesus, to, to get into the flow of God. I believe it starts with prayer. We, we pray. In prayer, we acknowledge God. We bring the concern to his feet. Whether we're caught in the river or running alongside the shore, we let him know that we cannot do this without him. That we know without a doubt he is capable of anything. And within that prayer, within that prayer, we flow into expressing our desire for for God to lead. So we invite God to lead. A major part of our faith is believing that God's way is better. 
when we invite God to lead in our lives, we are proclaiming to him that we know he is good and that his way is the best way. We surrender to his will, to his desires. We surrender to his plan. It's my son running around back there. Um, But sometimes that's hard to remember, right? As we're caught up in that raging current, as we're running alongside the shore, it's hard to remind ourselves, but that's why we stop, that's why we pray. Because no matter what limitation we feel is standing in our way, there's nothing that can stop the power of prayer. And as we invite God to lead, as we lay it all in his very capable hands, we flow into trusting that God will work. So we trust God to work, that, and that trust, it becomes our life preserver. The more The more you allow God to work, the more you begin to trust that he's moving in that situation. The more you begin to believe that he's going to bring something good out of that situation, no matter how bad it seems. No matter how big the problem may seem, God is bigger, God is stronger. The trust will aid you in keeping your head above the water, and that trust, it will carry you to flow into the current of God. Pray, let God lead let God work, pray, let God lead, and let God work. But what is the purpose? What, what is the purpose of getting into that flow? The purpose of praying, inviting God to lead, and trusting God to work? Here's what Paul told, tells the Colossians. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father. The current of God, it flows into strength. It flows into endurance and patience and joy and and gratitude. As we flow in synergy with God, we begin to feel it. As we pray, we begin to feel his strength working in our lives. As he leads, we begin to endure whatever hardship is in front of us because we know his way is better. And as we trust him to work, we begin to produce patience that covers every aspect of our lives because we know he is faithful. We know he is capable. And we know he will not allow us to be swallowed up. And all of that, it, it leads to unspeakable joy, this, this joy that just kind of pours out of us, this joy that brings us to our knees in gratitude towards God. As I mentioned, I was spending time on that stage that morning in KidsWorks just praying, um, feeling like there was a mountain of obstacles between me and the kids. I, I felt so limited in what I could actually do. I prayed, I asked God for guidance, I, I asked God to lead. And there was no fiery bush speaking to me as a result. There was no booming voice from the heavens, no whisper in my ear. But, but that time of prayer, it gave me a sense of, of hope. It led me to trust that God was working no matter how dire that situation seemed. And I, I continued to pray the rest of that week, asking God to show me what I could do, what, what he desired And I got inspired that week to not just post the lesson online, not just post the activity and the the list of supplies online, but to actually take it all to the kids. If they could not come to church, then I would bring church to them. Uh, And we did the same, early childhood was doing the same thing. I, I know here at Janesville, you guys did the same thing as well. 
And so we started preparing these packages, these packets. And in the packages that I was preparing, I had the lesson, I had... Um, I included all of the supplies that the kids would need for the activity, the instructions for the activity. I I went to Walmart and Target and I bought all all these little toys uh, that you'd find in like the party aisle. And I included that in the the package. Uh, I got a bunch of candy, uh, included that in the packages. I just wanted to include things that the kids would open, they would be excited to see. And I, I packed all of that along with a handwritten note into gallon-sized Ziploc bags. Uh, my plan was just to take the packages uh, door to door uh, of our kids and, and drop them on their doorsteps. So that Friday, just four days after, I had sat on that stage in Kids Works and prayed. I ventured off that morning on a, on a journey to uh, deliver these packages to these kids that I had missed so dearly. It, it literally took me all day. I'm talking eight hours. Uh, I, I went to Beloit, South Beloit. I, I delivered in Roscoe, Rockton. Uh, I went as far south as Duran, Illinois. Uh, then I also had Clinton, Delavan, Janesville, Milton, and even Broadhead. But uh, though it was a long day, I felt so good at the end of that day, even though I was exhausted. And some of the parents and kids, they caught me before I left, so they would smile and wave, and we even got a chance to talk. I got home again feeling tired, but I knew immediately that I was going to continue doing this every single week. And I did. I did it every single Friday until we had in-person services again. And though I felt so limited to what I could do in the face of such a big problem, I decided to pray, bring the concern to God. I invited him to lead and to allow me to know what he desired. As I followed the inspiration that I received from him, I trusted for him to work, to, to work through me, to work through the packages that I was delivering. I, I trusted him to be right by my side as I ran along the shore, yelling for the kids to keep their heads above the water, yelling for the parents to fix their eyes on Jesus to have hope. And God, he came through. And he showed up. I can't tell you how much I saw him working through it all, not just for the packages that I had delivered, but for the packages that were be- being delivered through Janesville in our early childhood. The impact of delivering the packages for me, though, it was everything. That fruit that came from it gave me strength. It gave me endurance and patience and joy and gratitude in one of the hardest seasons I've ever faced. And the kids, they they began to know when I was... um, delivering and they would wait by the windows they would wait by the doors they would jump up and down they would wave at me sometimes they would open the doors and we would talk uh, as I stood a safe distance away and kids they began to to leave things for me um, I got countless notes that kids left letting me know about their days uh, letting me know how much they miss church here's one of the notes that I received Jake we miss you so 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 much Thank you for the stuff and for the peeps. In our basement, we learned to climb poles. It was hard. I wish we could still go to church. We miss going. Yesterday, I got a new helmet. We are riding on the windows, and we are thinking about building a new swing set. Love, Ava and Aaron. Countless notes like that. There's another girl that I deliver to each week. Uh, She had created all these t-shirts, and she was selling them online, and they were selling like hotcakes. And so every week, 
that I brought the delivery to them, the package to her and her brother, she had an envelope of money for me uh, on the front that said church donation. Uh, we had been asking for donations for, for food to, um, to give to people that were struggling during that time, that, that were struggling to, to buy food. Uh, she wanted that money that she had earned to go to helping those people that were struggling to buy food. And parents, they, they even left me baked goods sometimes, which I enjoyed as I drove uh, throughout the day, those days. I began to love my Fridays delivering, though. I loved getting to talk to the kids, getting to talk to their parents, even if it was just through a window or, or on the doorstep. One of the moms, she wrote on Facebook telling me how much she appreciated the the package that they had been receiving. And she told me the story of her daughter opening the very first package that I had delivered to their house. Um, And she said that as she opened the package, she saw all the contents. Then she saw that it was for me. She said to her mom, Mom, look, Jake remembered me. I remember reading that on Facebook, closing my tear-filled eyes and just whispering, Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. All the notes I had received, the church donations, the baked goods, the the doorstep talks, everything I was so thankful for, for what God was doing. So grateful to be a piece in how he was working in in that chaotic and scary time. And that message from that mom, just knowing that that little girl felt seen and remembered, it made all the effort that I had to put into creating the packages and all the time driving, it made everything absolutely worth it. And I don't tell you any of this to to think that I'm special because I'm not. I tell you all of this because that is the power of God. That is the flow of God. And when I was preparing this sermon, I fell in love with the the imagery and the illustration of of that raging river. I love that the Greek word synesis that Paul used for understanding, I I love that it meant uh, flowing together, flow with, running together. I started to visualize these two rivers running alongside each other. Uh, Can you see it in your mind that two rivers right next to each other, separated by land? Uh, On one side, we have the river of life, right? Uh, This raging current that we're often fighting against, this this current that will sweep us to where we don't want to go. Rocks are rising from the water that we slam up against. Rocks that look like shame, rocks that look like regret. Rocks that look like pain. Stuck in those waters as as we fight against it with all of our might. But then the river over here, right? The river of God. The flow of God. The the current of God that flows into joy and hope and peace. I started to think about those two rivers. How they were separated. I started to wonder if there was something that was able to bring two rivers together. I didn't know, so I, I Googled it. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, but I, I Googled it, and I, f- I find this word, confluence. Have you heard that word? I had never heard of that word. Uh, but here's the definition of confluence. A point where two or more rivers or streams come together and flow as one. A, a union, a meeting point, a connection between those two rivers, allowing them to flow as one. A confluence. I realized that Jesus, he is our confluence. He's the confluence that brings this raging river of life. 
into the river of God. And I know I said earlier that the flow begins with prayer, right? But if we really think about it, the, the flow, it, it all starts with, with Jesus. Because of Jesus, we get to pray, and God hears our prayers. Because of Jesus, we are able to invite God to lead. Because of Jesus, we can trust that God will work in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones. All because of Jesus, we are allowed into the flow with God. We're allowed to run together with him. As we pray, invite him to lead, trust him to work, he will use us to work alongside him. He will aid us as we run alongside the shore, and he will be with those who are caught in the raging river. He will let them know that they are seen, that they are remembered, and they are not alone. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we don't have to stay in the raging waters. We don't have to fight against the current. We are rescued from it. Here's what Paul tells the Colossians. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son Jesus, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. In Bible times, kingdoms would fight against each other. Kingdoms would conquer one another. When another kingdom conquered a different kingdom, all the inhabitants of that defeated kingdom, they they were transported to the kingdom that won. And when Jesus died for us on the cross, and three days later when he was raised back to life by the power of God, the kingdom of darkness, it was defeated. And in that defeat, because of Jesus, our confluence, we were carried into the kingdom of God, no longer being forced to live in the kingdom of Satan. And now, belonging to God because of Jesus, allowing us to pray, to let God lead, to let God work, allowing us to flow with him. There's another movie that I thought of when I was uh, preparing the sermon, a movie called Taken. Have you ever seen that movie? Um, this one does not have any talking pets in it. Uh, <laughs> if you've never seen the movie, um, the main character is played by Liam Neeson. He's a retired CIA agent. He is the, absolutely the best of the best. And in the movie, his, his daughter becomes kidnapped um, And he then embarks on this journey to get his daughter back, to rescue her. And at one point in the movie, he's talking to the kidnappers on the phone. And he says a line that, even if you haven't seen the movie, you've you've probably heard the line before. It's become so popular. But here's what he says to them in a a very deep and dramatic voice that I can't do. I, I, I tried to do it, and I thought I would just look like an idiot or sound like an idiot. But here's what he says. I have a very particular set of skills, skills that I've acquired over a very long career, skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Well, my friends, when you feel like you are caught in the raging rivers of life, fighting against the current, or, or when you feel like you're just running tirelessly along the shore, yelling for your loved one just to hang on, to keep their head above the water, when, when you feel like you've been forced to have all these limitations upon you, uh, limited to what you can do, you can be reminded that you serve a God with a very particular set of skills. The same God that spoke this world into existence. The same God that parted the waters of the Red Sea. The same God that brought the walls of Jericho crumbling to the ground. The same God that protected Daniel in the lion's den. The same God that allowed David to defeat Goliath. The same God that brought three young men out of a fiery furnace unburned. The same God that sent his one and only son, Jesus 
to live a perfect life, to be our sacrifice, to, to die on our behalf. And three days later, by the power of that very same God, the stone was rolled away and there was an empty grave. And Jesus, our confluence, was risen from the dead, declaring that the kingdom of darkness would hold us no longer, allowing us to flow into the kingdom of God. And that same God, that same power, it is moving in your life. He's with you in the water. He's running alongside you on the shore. And he wants so badly for you to flow with him, for you to flow into strength, into endurance, into patience, into joy, and into gratitude. You are seen and you are remembered by that very same God. And no matter what problem you or a loved one may face in life, God is moving. So keep your head above the water and fix your eyes on Jesus. And no matter what limitation you, you feel in life, Will you pray? Will you let God lead? Will you let God work? Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.